0: Hi, this is the Inside Alberta Podcast. I'm Don Braid, political columnist. I'm with Chris Farco, business columnist. We've had a week so far. Uh, things just keep tumbling along. We had cabinet appointed on Tuesday. Uh, we can talk about that a bit. Uh, Jason Kenney came out flying, uh, uh, proclaiming the bill to cut off uh, energy supplies to other provinces. Uh, there's so much to talk An about.
1: Chris. action-packed 24 hours. Mm. It feels like a week has occurred and
0: he's only been sworn in within the last 24 hours. And that's exactly what he said he would do and exactly what he wanted to do. He wants to create this, the premier, that is, the new premier, wanted to create this very strong image of doing stuff and not sort of falling back and saying, I, I promise that, but not doing it. He's doing this stuff. Like, a lot of people thought he was sliding away from the proclamation of Bill 12, that wanted to cut energy supplies to other provinces, but he wasn't at all. They proclaimed that as soon as they got into a cabinet meeting.
1: But he, hit, he hit the ground running.
0: So, do you want to talk about uh, cabinet itself? What do you you think about the cabinet?
1: You know, um, I think that the 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 thing that really struck me, and you wrote a a very good column about it, is just the obvious issue of how many cabinet ministers are from (laughs) Calgary, and consequently, how many are not from rural Alberta, and obviously the city of Edmonton, which only elected one UCP uh, MLA. You know, the premier has to deal with the cards that he was given. And so, you know, he dealt with it. What what struck me, I guess, was aside from that, which is pretty, which is you know obvious now, is to look at some of the experience. They don't have a lot of cabinet experience, obviously, because yeah. the only person in there is Rick McIver, who's right. been in cabinet. But there's a lot of experience working around government. Uh, mm-hmm. People, you know, very well educated, well experienced people in various fields. The finance minister, for for instance, right, is, is an interesting choice.
0: Travis Toes yeah, yeah. What did you yeah. think about that? Well, I thought you know when you start looking at the resumes, they're pretty uh, powerful. Like uh, the uh, ag minister, for instance, who's that, Chris? Tell me mm, who Mr. that is. Degraisen. Yes, and he, he worked with Jerry Ritz in Ottawa under the Harper government for like eight years on agriculture. So there's the these people have got pretty darn good resumes. Sonia Savage in Energy has got a very strong resume for what she's doing. She's always been a pipeline advocate, and you can tell where the way that's going to go. She's with Kenny. I mean, the first minister he flies off with through Ottawa and Ontario is Sonia Savage. Um, but this imbalance with Calgary, Uh, Edmontonists can't complain, because Edmonton only elected one, so they got 100% of their MLA's in the cabinet. Uh, uh, But um, rural Alberta and small-city Alberta does have some cause to complain, because you consider that more than half the cabinet is from here, and there's a bit of imbalance in some big chunks of rural Alberta that don't have ministers. But altogether... I think we're going to see a cabinet that settles in fairly quickly, works really hard. You'll see some slips. There's some real inexperience there, certainly on the political level, but altogether a pretty, uh, pretty impressive group.
1: Yeah, the energy minister you talked about, Sonia Savage,
0: her first 24 hours was being sworn
1: in. Then sitting down in yeah, the very right. first cabinet minister yeah. where the Bill 12, the turn off the taps legislation was yeah. proclaimed. Then she went with uh, the new premier to the Senate hearings in Edmonton to talk about right. the tanker ban legislation, followed by a news conference this morning, uh, as you know, we're talking now Wednesday morning, to talk yeah. about the turn off the taps legislation, followed then by heading off to Ottawa, as you pointed out, to talk about Bill C-69. It's a good thing that she's got, all, you know I believe, a dozen years working in the, uh, yeah. working in the pipeline Industry for the Canadian Pipeline Association and Enbridge, Uh, she's going to need all that experience because every single one of those files is enormously huge and important.
0: Absolutely. Now, why don't we talk a bit about? I think the tone is changing, the balance is changing um, with vis a vis BC, vis a vis Ottawa. Like all of a sudden, we've got a premier who has a spectacular mandate. Now, lots of people in Alberta won't agree, but he has a massive mandate. Mm -hmm. John Horgan over there playing this silly game of uh, denying that he's he's interfering with the pipeline while he does it with policy stuff all the time. That guy's sitting on you know sitting on the peak of a tall cliff with support from Andrew Weaver and the Greens. I mean that's a very very shaky government over there, and Kenny's also facing Trudeau, who's in some trouble. Uh, so there's a lot of all of a sudden there's an impression that there's a, quite a lot of clout here. And, you know, we need to talk about Bill 12 because that's the bill that enables cuts of of, uh, energy supplies to other provinces. Now, the key there is provinces, not province, because if you cut the supply only to B.C., that's unconstitutional. If you say we're punishing you for what you've done, the bill is written in such a way that it doesn't mention that, it just talks about price support. But if you cut supply just to BC, that's clearly unconstitutional. The bill would fail, there'd be an injunction. So when he does it, if he does it, Chris, he's gotta do it to everywhere. Now imagine people waking up one morning in Quebec and Ontario to find out their energy supplies have been cut. That's what would have to happen.
1: But I think the reality here Don is is that they have no intention of using this. I really don't think they do because of the the constitutionality issues You know, um, we've we've chatted in the past. Do not agree. Well, you you and I will agree to disagree (laughs) here (laughs) because the reason I don't think is because it's not constitutional. And I think many of the constitutional experts who've weighed in don't believe it's constitutional. So unless he's prepared to start a full blown Donny Burke, which I still think ends up in the courts, anyways, is I think this is more about having a big stick and being prepared to use it. I think that you know it's the threat he said today in his news conference. You don't play all of your cards and you don't play your strongest card first. And I think what he really wants to do is to get people's attention, get them to sit down and have some reasonable conversations in a Canadian fashion rather than just everybody screaming at each other. Well,
0: I completely agree that that's what he prefers. But I also think he would use it. Uh, I was there in 1981 when Lougheed used it, and he he cut off – Cut down gradually in three stages. Uh, oil supplies to the, the refineries in Sarnia. The prime minister and the premier of Ontario were on the phone in six minutes after he started that. There were three scheduled cuts. Two of them happened. The third one didn't have to happen because they had a settlement with Ottawa. I, I don't. I don't think for a moment that Kenny wouldn't give the rest of Canada a week of this if if the circumstances warranted in his view, and that would entail. So, some hostile action from the feds, perhaps, and it would certainly happen if Horgan brought one more legal case to court. Now, Horgan's challenging Bill 12. That's okay. Uh, you understand that part. But if he does anything else to impede the pipeline, I have I don't doubt for a moment that Kenny would do it. Here's the risk, I think, that he faces if he does
1: take action. Right now, we have seen support for the Trans Mountain Pipeline grow across the country to about 70 percent. Yeah. Or, um, you know, it's, sorry, a majority, not, not 70 percent. But, but we We've seen that support grow. And I think the risk is is that if he turns off the taps, not just to British Columbia, but to all the other provinces, he risks seeing that support erode. And then it makes it very easy for a federal liberal government to say, you know what? We're just going to walk away from from the Trans Mountain expansion. Anyways, the dynamic is fascinating. You know, he
0: can't use it any other way than than turning off the taps to everybody. Because uh, the the way the law is written, you don't have a chance in court unless you you make it a general thing and say you're just supporting prices. That's
1: why I think uh, the big stick scenario is more is more likely that you keep the big stick yeah. in case of fire, but you you know you well, really don't. Well, if the
0: big stick is gonna gonna make anybody flinch, you got the people have got to believe you. You're going to use it. I I do I, I do think you would. I really do think he would do that. Um, and then there's the whole question of the cap, which we're yeah you know, the emissions cap. And that's a fascinating story about Kenny seemingly backing away from a pledge uh, the UCP may have had or not had to lift the 100 megaton cap. Uh, just today, again on Wednesday, the, the, the Environment Department in Ottawa issued a statement saying that the, they would not examine in-situ pro projects in Alberta as long as there was a cap. So sort of warning Kenny not to lift that cap, and Kenny says it doesn't matter anyway. What do you make of all that? This is a, this is another
1: fascinating case, and it's kind of funny because it got overlooked on the on the very first day of uh, the cabinet right. being put in place. But taking a step back, the NDP government, as part of their climate change plan, put a hundred megaton cap on the oil sands emission. That was a key uh, factor for why the federal Liberal government said they were going to approve Trans Mountain, is that they knew that while production could increase out of Alberta, emissions wouldn't. Yeah. We never saw the premier designate the premier elect, and now the premier ever come out during the campaign from what I can tell and say he was going to make this happen. But we do know, sitting in that technical briefing a couple of weeks ago where they released their platform, that it was clearly the UCP's intention to get rid of the 100 megaton Mm -hmm. cap. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Kenny said today that he doesn't like the cap. He doesn't see why we should have it when other countries like Russia and Saudi Arabia and the United States don't have it. But it is an important negotiating chip. And the negotiating chip would be, you know, we're not gonna move on getting rid of that cap if Trans Mountain uh, construction moves ahead in an expedited fashion, if the federal government approves the project, or if you make some uh, significant changes to Bill C-69. So he backed away from it uh, both yesterday and today. And I actually applaud him for that. I thought that showed that, you know, there's some practicality here is, you know, we may, talk about having big sticks, but we're really prepared to negotiate if it's in the best interest of Alberta. Well, Alberta's. it actually
0: worked. Yes. It worked, because the feds now say they won't examine in situ projects, which, by the way, is would be wildly unconstitutional, because they don't have the authority to tell provinces which uh, resource projects they can develop within their borders. That's Section 92A, is it, or 2? Right, 92. 92 but, but, two but the, the argument against it
1: is that the emissions Go across the boundaries of of the provinces. Well, these,
0: the the feds are trying to make climate the overruling right thing that allows you know the 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 most centralized government in you know in the Western world, if you like, because every rule will come out of Ottawa, and I don't think that that really carries for every single project. Um, well what about Bill C-48? As long as we're excited, we may as well talk about that. Kenny went before the committee with Sonia Savage, the energy minister, like an hour after, <laughs> an hour or more after he was sworn in. They just happened to be in Edmonton. I mean, it's almost like a script, isn't it? It's almost like somebody wrote the script for a crazy episode of The West Wing. Um, and, and he was very tough there, but he yeah. wasn't tougher than Rachel Notley, who said, <laughs> you just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> but uh, he raised the national unity flag, and I think we're going to hear more, more of this from Kenny, that if these measures proceed Bill C-69 without any consideration for Alberta, if Bill C-48 is passed, that there really is going to be a national unity problem. Um, and the, what you might see, like he doesn't need provocation from from uh, B.C. to invoke the law. It, maybe that could be it. Maybe the Senate passes C-48. He says, hey, turning off the taps. What do you think, Chris? (laughs) I think all of these things tell us that energy, politics
1: and partisan politics are now center stage across the country. And this is not a single front war. This is a multi-front war, a multi-front battle going on between the federal government and the provincial government in Alberta and to a lesser extent into Saskatchewan as well. And with BC waiting in on on its own side this just shows you how complex all these issues are. They're all interconnected, Absolutely. right? They're all interconnected. And that's what makes it so fascinating. And, and, and clearly, Mr. Kenny's gonna have his hands full, but he also understands these files. You talked about c forty eight. What I thought was interesting is he says he's gonna challenge the constitutionality yep. of that. He's gonna challenge the constitutionality of Bill C-69. As you point out, he's gonna challenge the constitutionality the tax, yeah. of the carbon tax with other provinces we're now entering an episode uh, of uh, energy fight club
0: (laughs) that's right and we'll probably be talking about it more next week so that's it for inside alberta for today